Seniors 94. Yeah, Matt. Yeah. So how's the weed business going? Well, you said you had two meetings this, uh, yesterday, maybe. That's why we couldn't record. What were the meetings? Well, it's it's great so far. It's good. I, I feel invigorated uh, because... It just, it just, the people that I'm, that I'm working with are cool. It just feels good. I mean, it feels like, I don't know, I'm kind of over like uh, double birds, the corporate life and all that shit, but it does feel like going a different direction and something that I can put some energy into that I like. And, uh, I just feel like I got the right people around me. Good lawyer. Uh, somebody from Colorado has a, a great insight on the industry, an old friend that I've worked with, uh, who listens to the show that I worked with in the medical device field who wants to get on board. And I like the idea of like maybe going out and driving up to the, the farm, so to speak, the cannabis grow and like working, get my hands dirty. There you go. And tr- talking to people in Europe and trying to get them to buy our stuff. And like, I like the whole idea of it. Um, I have a little bit every once in a while, I have a moral dilemma of like, am I just, selling drugs but you can find as much positive information about cannabis as negative there's definitely negative information out there there's also people that have used it for treating epilepsy for example and had great results so that that uh that moral dilemma is there and sometimes if i'm actually smoking it i don't it makes it worse you're paranoid not paranoid but i get like deep thoughts like i was i, I don't know why i was thinking about I think I, I smoked, I have this oil that this guy, potential partner gave me. It's like amazing shit that I got from Colorado. Not a real intense high, just a relaxing thing. But I was thinking about, you know, when we grew up, like if a professional athlete got busted smoking marijuana or something, it might be like the end. It'd be like, oh my God, this guy's a failure in society. And it's still like in my head, like for some reason. Oh, let it go, dude. Cause like every service business, every restaurant, every comedy club, every entertainment establishment runs on alcohol. Just horrible for you. They literally run on alcohol. Yeah, that's exactly what the conversation I've been having. This is better than alcohol for, yeah. for but what does that mean? It's like saying it's better than AIDS. It's like, who cares? No, it's not like saying it's better than AIDS. It has nothing to do with AIDS. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Nope. I'll cut that out. Yeah. You won't cut it out. But it's no, better. It's just saying it's better than something else that's shitty. That's what. That's why it's cool. Yeah. Well, I don't know. There, there's definitely a, a philosophical side of, of selling marijuana that it's like nature's herb and that it brings good things to people's lives. There's, there's, there's a side of it. That's legitimate there, but there's also the side of it as the gateway drug for young people, and then they move on to heroin or whatever. And I'm not trying to put this on out on the street in front of a high school or anything. So no, no. I think uh, you'll go to your grave with some conflict, and at least you'll have some money. What if I start selling pizza, and I'm just part of the obesity ec- epidemic? Like yeah, there's no exactly. We're all selling something, and I have. I'm doing a podcast, which is just encouraging people to be engaged with their electronics. Uh, but no, that's, it's been great. I don't know if you can tell my spirit, my mood is, has been good because it's, I feel productive and, but productive for something that seems cool. Yeah, no, I can tell, you know, last week's episode, you were, you were on it previous week. Not so much, Matt, not so much. I was nervous about, and then if I was going to meet up with these guys, uh, 
I do have my son is and my daughter probably getting, you know, their school just started down here and they're getting back in, probably back into athletics. And I'm go. really trying to, I hope my son is, it will be isolated to like one team this year, I believe. Not even playing like the 10 year old, 12 year old, the mixed league. Mm-hmm. And I really want to, I really would like to get to a point where like, I encourage him to be a good teammate and show up, but not, uh, but you know, hey, you, you got something else to do this weekend. It's fine. You miss a game or two. You're Ten years old. It's okay. Part of the pledge we talked about a few months ago. But uh, yeah, absolutely. I would. I'm trying to get. That's that's what's on my plate. And and same with my daughter. Like she's trying to find the right team. It's like I'm we gently nudging her to like play. But then it's like uh, you know we're in that weird phase of like all right, you you feel like you're not going to be comfortable with this team. But it is the option. The other option is to like not do anything, and so we're like kind of pushing her into maybe a team that she's not doesn't necessarily want to play with, and uh, it feels kind of weird. But I I still feel like it's the right thing to do if we don't if I don't overdo it or do it for myself. But I think she should give it a shot. So yeah, and yeah, and I think you, earlier on, if they're figuring out what it is they want out of it, as opposed to you guiding it all, it'll be better in the long run. Well, but what do you think? A parent should just be like, you don't want to, if she's like, I don't know if that, if I like playing there as much as another team, I should just be like, okay, fine. Well, I think you have your own constraints of like, uh, for me, keeping it convenient because there was a team, my kid was like, I'm interested in that. Well, they part, they practice like 35 minutes away. I'm like, no, thanks. That's one of our dilemmas. The team she loves is on the other side of San Jose, Chepe, as we call it. And it's, it's a fucking five hour round trip. Like with no. two hours of practice in front of it, nah. but she's she thrives there. She's fucking yeah. Pele there. Well, it's so clearly like her something that she connects with. It's up to you. It's like what your constraints are. Uh, but for me, no way. F that. But that's you know we talk a lot of shit, but that's a hard. That's the hard part though. Is like mm-hmm. not necessarily I'm on the sidelines screaming at them, but there's a balance between encouraging them and. And also imposing your will, right? It's like, uh, I want you to play soccer. Well, I want you to play here because it's convenient for me. That's all like, we still have to be parents. Still, we still have to make some of the decisions for them as much as we try to be hands off a little bit. Sure, sure. At your kid's age, for sure. That's where I'm at, dude. How's your pledge coming along? It's ups and downs, but, you know, I'm having fun cheering. uh, And I like when I'm cheering for the team and, and not, you know, bitching about play or other kids who can't pass the rock. Although I did some of that last night. Get it out here, buddy. Get it out here. Let it go. Let it go. Passing is the key for everybody to score more. If they could just figure that out, it would be such a beautiful sport to watch. Uh, moving without the ball is, is, uh, well, is... You don't, that doesn't happen until people start passing. Yeah, uh, especially in basketball. It's like, ah, this fucking guy's a black hole. I'll just stand here and wait for him right. to shoot. But yeah, uh, that's my biggest frustration at all levels of basketball, whether I'm coaching or watching. But no, he's he's a good kid, and that's all I'm trying to focus on. He's played well. And that's that's the pledge. My wife did get into me one night. Uh, it was fine. I, we kind of had a public little spat that she was annoyed by. As I was like, let me be myself. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about when I was up there, I've always, I know, I never think about this, but what I've always loved uh, about your wife is when she's like, 
she kind of mocks you in a funny way, but not like really negative, but she'll be like, ah, oh, Lance didn't do his pledge today. It's it always, it's always made me laugh. Like when, cause that's how she deals with some of the stupid shit you say a little bit, right? Yeah. I am clearly the identified patient in the uh, relationship where, you know, I've got a lot of diseases and problems that she can call out, but it works. It works. It's just funny. Cause I mean, I could tell that she, like the whole idea, actually, even the, the fact that we're calling it the pledge is kind of silly. And she's tapped into that aspect of it a little bit, like the pledge. So she'll be like, not doing your pledge, which she could be like, you're fucking yelling at the kids again, Lance. Stop. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, which is funny. But, uh, yeah. do you, has the pledge actually helped you at all? Like, are you consciously going, oh, I got to shut the fuck up, like in the, in the middle? Yeah, of it, it's helped me. It helped me. It helps me cut off conversations that I think aren't going to help with other parents and, and not cut them off abruptly, but just not double down. Oh, everything's fucked up and the coach is this and that. And I mean, it's inevitable that you're going to have some criticisms of different things, but. You think you're ever going to get your point across about passing? <laughs> they're like, uh, I hope. Billy Graham of the evangelist Lance spreading the word on how passing helps high school sports. That's, that's a tough thing to sell. Well, you'll hear about in basketball, some kids, uh, some soccer kids, cause soccer really, there really isn't this one-on-one dominance. There's no opportunity to do that Yeah, against good competition. So, but you'll hear about these soccer kids that'll jump in and play hoops and they'll train them up. And because they're such good passers, all, you know, they're top teams. Yeah, they got they can move their feet well, and they understand positioning mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Yep. Yeah, that's a tough one. I so. uh, with the pledge, I'm I told my kids about it, and now annoyingly, I, I won't even be doing anything like related to like a pressure thing. But then my son's type will call me out. I'm be like, "How was your game today? You have to pledge. Can't ask me. Can't talk." It's like now he's mocking me about it. It's like, shut that's up. Good. Dude. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Like uh, father, daddy. Seriously, I said something the other day. I go, like he goes, "Ah, oh, man, my shots off," and I said, "You're kind of you're pushing it a little bit sideways," which I thought was an opportunity that he engaged me to give him. It's like, seriously, you're gonna do that here? He said something like that to me. <laughs> I contend you. I was just like, "Fuck you, man!" But but yeah. uh, I didn't say that. I didn't say "fuck you, you man." You just have to say you'll figure it out. There it's you go. so easy. It's so obvious, dude. He yeah, could, I know. It's right there. He he go. He's locked in. He's fucking Ray Allen when he's when he's kind of bringing it out from his chest, and he gets a little sideways. You know why? Because he he's trying to jack up threes and he's ten, and he's his arms like spaghetti. So to jack up a three, he's got to kind of you know hitch it back on the side a little bit to get the force, and that fucks up his shot from inside the perimeter. I'm getting this all out right now, dude. That's well, uh, and this is something we bring up a lot, but like. It is it is tough, but we we forget how human we were as athletes, and now like because we have more time and we're all these like super engaged parents, we re- we're really looking for our kids to be something more than that. It's just not possible. But do you? Uh, They're gonna ups I, and downs, man. Yeah, I guess. But also, is there a little bit of you goes, ah, oh, man? Somebody would have told me that when I was ten. I probably have a, a sweet, a better J right now, and you know. Oh yeah. There's some, I mean, there's something to that, but like if they're working towards something, you know, they're going to figure it out because they'll get all that feedback. I think dads have a role and it's, I think now I'm learning it's more of encouraging like, Hey, you want to go shoot together? You want to go hang out? 
like for a long time I go hang out and shoot with my kid, but then I'd sneak in a bunch of instructional bullshit and it's just like, uh, (laughs) it didn't really, it's not like it transformed his game, but a lot of people still believe they have just such a huge role in making their kid a great athlete. And I just, I'm starting to not believe that. Like they either have uh, that uh, deep desire to play a certain sport or the, the, obviously the physical traits and the work ethic. That's all stuff you can't control. No, but what well, can you go? Is it healthy to go at? You got to, I don't want you sitting around. So you're going to, you can do whatever you want. I'm not going to ride you, but you need to, you need to go out and shoot around for an hour every day because the other option is you don't do shit. Yeah. I think that's too much pressure. No, I think you need to do something is would be a good philosophy. So the pledge is active in your head. You slip sometimes, but for the most part, you feel like you've done pretty good. Here we sit on February. What's the date today? So February 14th. Yeah. No, I mean, actually just started trying to be more proud, more proud of the effort it takes to like show up, go to school and play high school basketball. And uh, because I do remember, yeah, it was a lot of work. How's the season going? When I was there, your son was balling and the team was playing pretty well. I think they lost the game, but they played very well. Have they had the season gone as the way they want it to? The varsity, no. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is dealing with the mental wounds. And I, I tend to be... Blame them for loss? Well, kids are cocky. Like if my own kid comes off, oh, that team was bullshit or that team, you know, mm-hmm. and he's, or they should have started me or whatever for varsity, whatever a young yeah. kid might say. And I was cocky too. I tend to be really deliberate about communicating reality. Now I'm just starting to look at the more about this pledge. The more we talk about it, the more I realize it's like just a small aspect of life. But yet yeah. we, we, us dads, we're treating it like it's truly the only thing that defines them. I got, I got now that uh, with separation, not always being around them, if the question would be like, all right, first thing you ask your kids when you haven't seen them for a while, is it how was school or how was practice or how was your game? Oh yeah. And, and I'm definitely more like, how was practice? Dude? Like, oh than, my God. Uh, yeah. I don't ask anything about school. Rarely. I try to, yeah. I force it, but I'm always like, yeah, how's the coach think of what you did last <laughs> night? It's just more fun. It's what drove me. It's like what drove me to, or I should say motivated me to go to high school is as being able to play sports. Dude, I also, besides sports, I also focus on stuff that I know that he's good at. So I'll ask him about practice and math. How's math today? Did you fucking be faster than all the other kids on your your math? (laughs) I love hearing it. It's it like it, it's just it's just so funny. I, I love hearing him tell me his math stories. It's it, I don't know why. It's like probably exa- against ev- any parenting thing about like you know focus on the process and focus on that. And I'm just be like, tell me a story how you crush math harder than than not than your thirteen other classmates. Well, like, all right, yeah. All right, but, makes uh, you feel makes you feel good. And I had it last night. Where his team won won a close game. You had the joy, the euphoria? They had lost several close games. And I'm kidding, not kidding you, by two or three. Maybe four or five of those games. And I saw him lose, a, I think, a one-pointer on the varsity team. Oh, yeah, this is this is JB. Uh, but, yeah, I just, like, I actually admitted to my wife, isn't it interesting how our mood is lifted by that arbitrary 
two points <laughs> um, me- measurement of of success. It's like, I guess it's not arbitrary, but it's arbitrary in the sense that we put so much value in this W versus L, and it's like oh, our mood God, our dude. mood lifted, and we feel the success of, of our of our kid doing well, and all, he played well regardless. But it's it's pretty funny. It's so true, dude. I'm a, it's soccer. I I there like how about this? Your the kid's team loses eight to one, and your kid just generally played like shit the whole time. But that one was your kid's goal, and you and it, subconsciously you kind of feel good for like a week. You're just right. like, oh, it scored a goal, it scored it's a got goal. Stats, right? Yep, stats. It's so it's so true. I'm thinking about, and I'm curious what you think about this idea. Uh, I'm thinking about some parent like culture type workshops because I think not, not training based, but more of process, uh, like processing your feelings based because I think so many parents have these mo- emotions that they feel shame about and these ideas and thoughts like, Oh, Oh, oh I hope that kid, I would go as far as to bet that some parents are like, Oh, I hope that kid plays like shit. So my kid gets in. Dude, I, I I think I subconsciously probably do it. Yeah. Or like like if there's two like probably you said I think maybe your son or somebody in the program there had had the poten- I guess when you start to get into high school sports, your son's a sophomore, right? Like you tend, you start potentially thinking, what position could is he gonna start at as a junior and senior? Could he? And then you look at the other kid and immediately you're like, Yeah, you just naturally are like, ah, he missed that shot again, huh? <laughs> missed that shot again. Oh, you kinda like rooting against the kid whether you whether you like it or not it's so so sad right and those are things that really degrade the overall culture and meaning of the of the athletic endeavor and i just think it's it but it's also an interesting thing and i think it would be compelling to just talk about i think it's great because you're also talking at your neck to quote lauren hill talking out your neck like because you're telling your kid, like, be a good teammate, work hard, and encourage everyone, and pass the ball and stuff. Be and a like, leader. Yeah. 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 Exactly. But your direct competition, fuck him. Because you want to, <laughs> I want you to start next year. Yeah, for, exactly. for, yeah be a leader. It's, that's that's a good thing. But I don't, I don't know if anyone will ever be honest about it because nobody, nobody really thinks they, they do that shit. And uh, I think you have to set it up the right way and, and probably model your own dysfunctional thoughts first for people to talk about it. But, you know, I think it'd benefit our program and any high school program, especially basketball, because it's just riddled with, you got the referees, you have really a flow based game where coaching decisions do matter. And like, I mean, you were even trashing our coach in that one game. And like, it's, it's tough to coach and figure out what to do at different moments. But like, it's one of those sports where people talk a lot of shit and, it degrades the yeah. culture, I think. And you, it's still like backup quarterbacks always the best court. It's always better, you know. Like there's always like somebody else is gonna do it better, or someone else could coach better, have better strategy. Oh, right. Somebody can manage my kid better. Like right. You know, my if my kid didn't have an optimal experience, it's not because of him. But like it's, um, I think where we do have power is how we can feed. As parents, where we have power is how we feed our kids with negativity about a situation or another person. And this is what my next step is, is uh, can I acknowledge certain things that aren't working without pointing out the kid who never does the whatever, or, you know, 
yeah, yeah. Do I, I get do it. I get in the car with my kids? Like, if your coach would just fucking wake up, dude, and just do this, this, and this, I don't get why he didn't do this. And bro, like, <laughs> like what I did when I went. There I mean, with you me. can't pass to that kid, dude, because like he's not gonna make his shots. Just take it, just take it. And I will. I don't. I always say I promise or I guarantee, but like <laughs> I know that many parents are getting in the car doing that stuff. I mean, I talk to them, and they're constantly assessing. I've heard I've heard parents say this program sucks. Why did we come here? And it's just it's a it is probably one of the more emotional things that I witness in a day to day to day life. And the most hypocrisy ever as you're right. Like Absurd levels. And I've yeah. I've been that way. You know, I've been that way in at times. It's funny up there, though, like. uh it's so it's weird because it's not actually the point of going to high school. So when you when you go, why why are they in this program? It's like because that's the fucking school they go to, and they're uh, a five eleven white kid, and this is exactly. like a re- recreation, not not uh not to go to the NBA. That's why they're there. But people people are like, I could have now. People think about it. I could have sent them to a different school. Could have transferred them to the other school in the district, better program or all, stuff like that, and. Uh, I don't know. You know, there's something about uh, maybe this bleeds in a little bit of like my my extensive relationship with Chris, our guest today. You definitely there there is some camaraderie in winning, but you do find like camaraderie in losing that we kind of lose track of. Like, if you ever mm-hmm. talk to a group of old friends that are that like had were on a horrible team and they kind of bust each other's balls about it, there's definitely like an experience that they went through that they take with them their whole life. It's not ne- necessarily negative. And we all we just assume that losing is negative, right? In high school sports, like it's, right, it's, gonna, it's negative. It's not. I mean, not you and I don't have to deal with it. Well, it's how you lose too. Like, and, and when you got that vibe, and now in in this era, the parents contribute to it. Of like, who can I point the finger at and blame and pout and that? That's like toxic, dude. But yeah, you can you can do the best you can because sometimes you're just outmatched fine right. you lost but do you lose well and or are you sitting there pouting are, are we always using his opportunity to talk about what to do next but it's kind of it's a bit of a mind you, trip you just made me think about that though because i think one what, when you're also talking about what you what you're trying to do about talking shit about stuff i think it's pretty that's a pretty important thing to learn in life like i love the fact that there's other people better than me at almost everything now like I don't have right. to be jealous of it, and so like when your son or my son probably goes, ah, we, that team sucked. We should have beat them. And it's like no, you probably shouldn't have. A lot of right. times it's like no, but no, it's really hard for a kid to acknowledge that. Just go, no, they were better. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, that's a really important thing to learn and to try to emulate because we don't do it enough. We we just go, nope, I fucked up. I didn't get beat. I lost. Mm-hmm. for some reason like we never just give the other person credit and parents do that all the time it, it's kind of goes back to what you're saying where you're like coach fuck this up that kid can't shoot this couldn't shoot no you really go he lost because that guy is going is awesome the other team is awesome they have three players that are you only t- you only do it when you when there's some celebrity in like a bit of like yeah hey you look you lost the two guys that are going d1 and then it's right. cool to say you lost but it was just a hard working team that outworked you and played better you never go. Oh, you just. Oh, we could have. We could have beat them. We could have beat them. You know, a lot. A lot of excuse making, for sure. 
We we went on a tangent there. We did. I think it's a good one. We need to get it out because it's a big part of uh, a middle-aged man's life as a parent. And uh, Chris is on. He's got kids that play sports. He didn't talk about it. Yeah, we didn't talk about it too much. But uh, here's a guy that does a lot of extreme, what you'd call traditionally extreme sports, snowboarding, mountain biking. Yeah, do you think that's, by the way, not to go on off the rails again, but do you now those stuff seems so so uh was it prevalent and like with X Games and a lot of money, do you do you still think those do you see see those six sports as extreme? No, not anymore. It's just, it's like mainstream now. Yeah. Uh but it, it was branded that way back in his day. And yeah. He, you know, he was out ahead of it. So it was good to talk to him and figure out why men do the types of things they do. I would say what we were talking about off air what so my relationship with chris what well i met him in college and i always saw him and his brother and his friends as like a pretty cool group of like almost like rebel kids and that like and but they maintain like like the guys he said in the show he talks about going snowboarding with they maintain this kind of childish yet great bond and friendship throughout their whole life where I remember hanging out with them. It's always fun because not only were they like back when we were kids, skateboarders were kind of rebels, you know, it wasn't like, no, but even snowboarding, right? Oh yeah. There were several resorts where you couldn't snowboard. You couldn't snowboard. Yeah. So it was fun to be in like a snowboard gang and, and be a bit rebolic. Yeah. And that's how, that's how it all started for me a little bit. Like, I, like in the early nineties, snowboarding was still kind of like punk kids hanging out. I always liked hanging out with those kids. And then Chris you know, I think if you, he didn't talk about much, but his whole story, like how he got out to Colorado, I think is is uh, it's like a wild west. It's like fuck it, I'm going out there to to like just get away from what's going on here, and and my brother's out there, and we're gonna go out there and uh, and and whatever, do whatever the hell we want, and that's like it's cool, like to hear that it's a part of his life still, but it's also a thing that grounds him. It's not like maybe at one point in his life, it might've been like running away from shit that that was going on. Like, I think he, he, I don't know, he got got away from his high school for a year or something like that. And uh, it's like, he made, he found the right thing. He just had to adjust the way he approached it. And, and that's, that's how I see Chris. And uh, you know, but the, I think the biggest thing I took away from is like, he mentioned the camaraderie of it. It's like having a thing to plan with three or four of your friends probably besides the trip and the and this extreme thing gets gets you more in touch with these people in your lives. Mm-hmm. I freaking hate people that talk about ceiling fans all the time. I fucking know, bro. It's so fucking annoying. It's like, did you see that four-blade fan? Do you know how much air circulation a four-blade ceiling fan provides? I'm like, I don't fucking care, bro. Dude, I was at Chipotle last night, and this guy started in on me about his uncle's ceiling fan. I guess it has a steel-top canopy with a steel down rod and three steel blades, and he was like... Do you have any idea what kind of mounting hardware a fan that heavy needs? I'm like, I don't fucking care, bro. I'm about to munch this burrito. Oh, I fucking know, bro. Now everyone is hyped on this ceiling fan remote application tech. I went to this party and this chick took me to her bedroom. I thought she wanted to hook up, dude. But she wanted to show me how she controls her ceiling fan with the phone app. I'm like, fuck. 
She's like, it has six speeds, and look, I can switch from clockwise to counterclockwise with this button. I'm trying to talk about cockwise, not clockwise. You know what I mean? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking ceiling fans are played out, bro. Dude, fuck. And now, we interrupt the news and trends this week for a special interview with author Marcus Johnson. This segment is sponsored by Ruckus Bus Publishing. With me today is Marcus Johnson, author of the memoir, I Grew Up Hard. Marcus, thank you for being here. Yeah, cool. I just want to tell my story, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Marcus... You had a tough childhood. How did you rise above the chaos of your neighborhood? My neighborhood was all right, but growing up hard was tough on my mental health. I had to put on them big boy pants before I wanted to. Okay, so you became the man of the house at a young age. Was your father in jail and your mother addicted to crack? No, man. My mom was a nurse and my dad was an economics professor, man. Ah, but despite your privileged upbringing, you drifted into gang life. Tell me more about that. I didn't join no damn gang, you know what I'm saying? I grew up hard with Priaprism. I see, I see. So you joined the rap group, Priapism, and that's where things fell off the rails. Tell me about the drugs, the parties that ruin your life. I ain't no hood rat, and I ain't no rapper. I grew up hard with the condition called priapism. Okay, I'm so sorry, Marcus. So your mental health condition caused you to become violent and unpredictable. Tell me about your interactions with the police. Did you read my book? I grew up hard with a rare condition called priapism. Shit, with priapism, blood gets trapped in your penis, resulting in prolonged erections. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes, Marcus, yes, I get it now. That sounds very hard indeed. So you fell into pimping and sex work. Tell me about that dangerous world. Man, fuck this white dude. I'm out. Well, I'm sorry, folks, but Marcus just walked out. You never know how these live interviews will go. Marcus Johnson is the author of I Grew Up Hard. He's hosting a book signing event tonight at North South Central Parkway Books. Thank you. All right, folks, welcome to the men's room today. We've got an old friend, Chris, on. And what we're talking about is middle age adventures. And it does seem that many men and people in general, as they hit middle age, crave what I'd call extreme adventures. It's like everybody's out trying to do something insane. I don't know what that's about. Maybe modern society leaves us wanting more. Uh, For me, an extreme adventure is maybe backpacking, but other people have some insane ideas. But we are all craving something. And we brought Chris on he's got a little different perspective than us and he does a lot of that stuff and we're going to talk through what's behind that what's the why uh that's where we're at so matt you are closer to chris i know him from back in the day intro him man all right well first of all chris thanks for coming on buddy good to see you uh 
Also, I feel bad. We just, if Chris is on the show, we lost 20% of our audience. So that's, <laughs> that's too bad. Uh, so I met Chris at the University of Colorado in Boulder back in probably 96. And we, we had jobs as weight room supervisors, which would be pretty funny for people out there if you actually got to see us. We were weight room supervisors. And Chris, fucking within a couple days of me meeting him, he we were talking about where we're from and everything. And he convinced me that he was a backup, uh, a backup dancer for Breaking 2 Electric Boogaloo, which was filmed in Detroit, Michigan. And I believed him 100%. It took the bait. It was just like, all right. Uh, so that was some funny shit, and we connected immediately. He was also – there was a, a community chalk, like in weight rooms. They have like the, that chalk, like it's like talcum powder, you know, to dry off your hands. Oh, yeah. And for some reason, Chris took that fucking so seriously that that was community chalk, and there'd always be like a meathead that would take the chalk and like put it next to his bench. And Chris was like going all in, like you put the fucking chalk back in the community area, bro. So I, I respected that. I could tell that was, something was important to him. He went all in. Uh, and then over the next maybe 10 years, we we worked together uh, like at various jobs. So he got to see my work ethic or lack of and how much shit I would talk in any any environment. Uh, but what we really connected on was actually snowboarding. And we moved up to the mountains together after after college. And, and we were both kind of like, I'm not getting a real job. You want to get a real job? And we uh, went up there and partied and snowboarded and hung out. And uh, and uh, what I what I know is... I've gone through various phases of my life, and so is Chris. He's a he's a dad. He's a he's a wife. He's everything, but he's, he's still wife, doing eh? cool shit. He's a wife. Yeah, that's how we feel yeah. sometimes, don't we? Well, we isn't like, your yeah, yeah your your actual he's, wife's Russian, so you probably are the bitch. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, he's a hard ass. Yeah, no, he's a he's a husband. I didn't do that on purpose, by the way. Maybe it's the weed bros. Yeah. So he's a husband, and but Chris is still doing cool shit. When I was in Colorado, he was the guy. He was the mystery friend I was talking about who went heli skiing. Pretty awesome. Uh, I think. I I think it's in a way like when we sit here and you, Lance and I, we talk about ah, oh, we need to find ourselves, and we're like, when I told Chris the topic of these midlife fantasies, within two seconds, he's just like, "There's a mountain bike park in Whistler that I'm. That's my goal this year is to get there." It wasn't like. I got to go find God on Mount Kilimanjaro or anything like that. It was like, that's it. I yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to play. When I go up there, I'm happy. I come back happier. And it was very clear that, and I thought that was that was good. Maybe you and I need to hear that a little bit because we, we with this show, we get caught up in uh, whining and, and being bitches yeah. and trying to make Sheila happy. And sometimes we just have to do things for her. <laughs> oh, so. She's going to like uh, you brought her up again. Yep. So yeah, good. That's uh. So Chris is here. I've been friends with him for a long time. He's a sick snowboarder. I'm sure he's a good mountain biker. I see videos. Looks insane. He has a passion for for injuries, I believe. And uh, he's so he's the man and uh, somebody I'll, I'll be hanging out with for the rest of my life, one way or the other. So welcome right. to the show, Chris. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Matt, I want to mention just because you did bring up break dancing, I did win the talent show. In third grade, break dancing. I cannot now. After what happened with Chris, I cannot accept that as the <laughs> truth. I need to see it. What'd you uh-huh. do? Were you bone popping? Like I was really good at at uh, kind of robotic movement. <laughs> you still do that. You still bust that out at weddings, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a it was a great hobby back in the day. So I'm glad Chris got his chance to you know make millions in electric boogaloo. 
Was it actually filmed in Detroit, Chris? It was. Is that true? Yeah. yeah okay. I was an extra. Not really, but um, it's pretty funny. They, we used to skateboard down there, and they um, closed off part of where we skateboarded. And that's where the whole idea came from. That's awesome. Dude, that's a good intro, man. You ha- you've been an extreme sort of, all, I'll say, alternate sports your whole life, right? You were skating. You were snowboarding up in Michigan. Like You were you were kind of on that path from a young age. Is that right? Yes, definitely. Um, I had an older brother that kind of set the way, the path. We, um, I went to basketball camp in fifth grade the summer and came back and my dad and him had built a skateboard ramp. So it came back to that and I'm like, whoa, summer just got a whole lot better. And were, were you a hooper? Um, yeah, but I was never that good. I was like okay. the rebounder. Dennis Rodman was my guy. All you right. know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you were, but you were a three sport athlete though, right? Besides yes. skating and yep. snowboarding and all that stuff, all the all the mainstream shit you also did football, baseball, hoops. Yeah, most of that dropped off when I got older out of high school. We did do what intramural um, basketball and some football in college, but um, more you know sn- snowboarding and then mountain biking and big in motocross. But that uh, the injuries, too many injuries in motocross, so I kind of. Now I'm in mountain biking, which uh, you still get oh, injured, exactly. but it seemed like it's bad. <laughs> he traded in his his, his freaking motorcycle for downhill mountain biking. Right. Like most most orthopedic surgeons are like, that's that's a good move. That's where you want to be. It's funny. Yeah. Right. Mine's on speed dial. So, Chris, you're, you're doing still, because you did the heli skiing thing, which I want to uh, get into, but you're still doing stuff that people would. Uh, consider extreme what's driving you what what is it about that type of stuff i mean how old are you 47 49 that's what oh, you're I, 49 uh, and you're still doing you know what people would consider dangerous stuff what, what's motivating you to do that what's underneath that what's oh boy that? i don't well camaraderie is part of it I, all, a lot of my motocross race friends are now mountain biking and um okay snowboarding but also like um just uh you know um you're out there having fun and uh endorphins are flowing you know like mm-hmm. i'm in the corporate world so you know nine to fiver and then um you know after work or on the weekends or whatever i'll go off and ride 20 miles and you know enjoy it yeah now you're pretty chill just listening to you talk you're pretty mellow and measured when you get out there you just do you change or like you're like fucking bro fuck yeah (laughs) i'll whistle or cheer a little bit but i'm uh yeah i'm the same guy like i don't know it seems like some of those rowdy guys are the ones crashing or something my demeanor doesn't really change but in 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 my head it does you know like yeah i'm uh you know flying high that's for sure I, I think you're. I, what I remember snowboarding is that you're kind. You're pretty calculated when you're when you're doing that stuff. I mean, you probably have to be. It's probably the motocross. Like you can't just be like, ah, fuck it. But you you are engaged. It's less of like some idiot screaming and yelling, and it's more like at the stuff you're doing. You got to be. You got to be pretty engaged mentally. So it seems mm-hmm. like you're pretty calculated about what you're doing, right? Yeah. So for you sure. get like a mental stimulation from it too, maybe. That's the bit. biggest thing. Now it's uh, like I'm not going as big as I used to or, you know, like, um, I don't know, like it seems more it's like the re- mental release, you know. Right. If this stuff wasn't in your life, because it sounds like it's a big part of what you do, um, what do you think you'd be like or, or you think you'd be a, a mess or 
I do, without a doubt. Like, um, why? I, I just think, um, you know, staring at a screen all day and, you know, like uh, being there for my kids, I love it. But, you know, like going to practices and games and stuff and just even day to day, you know, like traffic sucks and whatever else, you know, like you get that release where you're just like, you know, I just spent four days in the middle of nowhere, powder days, best ever. You come back and you still think about that or you're just, you know, like way more relaxed. At least I am. Yeah, no kidding. Is it quenchable, Chris? Does it? Is it something though that like, uh, they like it, you get quenched, or is it always like, ah, oh, fuck? I wish I was still up there. Like, is there? Is there? An, there's no end to it, right? I know there's no end to it as you keep you keep doing stuff, but like, is it? Uh, is it almost annoying in a way, or like you can't you can't like get enough of it? I sometimes I feel that way about surfing, but. Luckily, I'm so bad is that every time I go, I get a li- I like I feel like I improve. So there's like something to chase. But uh, what's the like, is there an end game? I don't know the right words for it, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it- I, I understand what you're asking me. And no, there's not. But it um the levels, you know, kind of diminish it. um Like I'll go. I have a bike park from my house like 10 minutes away. And that that kind of uh, rel- relinquishes the need. But, you know, like that and the year trip to, you know, BC heliboarding is, um, you know, it's something to look forward to. And that kind of releases yeah. the tension as well. You know, like you have that, hey, two months from now, two months, you know, you're getting stuff ready and, and your mind getting ready and whatever else. And, um, and like the group thread is like, you know, oh, they just got two feet of snow or whatever. And uh, that kind of, you know, helps as well. Anticipation. Yep, exactly. Yeah. We should go next year, Lance. We yeah, go. well, yeah. not too cheap. What kind of money are we talking about for some of these trips? So something like uh, heliboarding, which explain it first and then tell me how much it costs. Okay, so we go to um, Revelstoke in British Columbia and it's um, they take you and four other people. It's the guide, the pilot, and then, you know, me and three of my friends in the helicopter and drop you off. They have, you know, their tenure is huge, like I think 300,000 acres. So, you know, they drop you off at a point and then you just snowboard down and no one around. Um, you know, it's all, you have all the avalanche stuff and mm-hmm. take the training and whatever else. But, um, you know, you do that and it, but it ruins everything else, you know, going to Vail or wherever now it's like, Oh, go stand in line and, yeah, driving yeah, yeah. traffic so i stopped getting a pass i just save for these trips and oh wow so like two days of heliborn fa- airfare and all that it's like five grand okay. one thing with the exchange rate we kind of luck out on that so that helps it's not as bad as i thought it can be more like i didn't go last year and saved up for this year we went four days and um so it was a little more but um last year the, the group of guys i go with were went to Alaska and they went for a week and um, I just couldn't take that time off. Yeah. Yeah. Who are these guys? Are they, are they meathead types or are they, they no, cor- corporate stiffs? Okay. Um, two of them hardly work at all. And um, one of them's um, works for the government water. He's like um, water rights and stuff like that. But um, they're guys I grew up with, you know, that just have a passion for snowboarding. They all like, um, try to get in as many days as possible in a year and whatever else. 
Wow. And your wife's okay with this, dude? Like you just jetting off, spending 5G without her? So, yes, because, you know, I'm in a way better mood when I come back. She's got uh-huh. time with the kids to do her thing. And um, it's reciprocated. Like she'll go and um, she'll go to a, tra- like she went for, um, she's a PT and went for training in San Diego and added a couple days before and after to spend at the beach. And then she comes back in a better mood and kids are happy. We're ha- I'm happy. It, it, it helps the whole, you know, relationship. So how many, how many times a year do you need to do this? You think to, to not live under a bridge and go completely psycho? Like, well, the heli trip just once, but you know, like I am, I have a downhill uh, trestle is the bike park at winter park, the summer pass. And we, um, I go up there, you know, pretty much every weekend. We um, actually rented a place last summer for a month up there, but she loves it too. Cause she can hike and, Chase, my son, um, he mountain bikes and Mary, you know, um, does the adventure park there and like whatever else, you know, hiking or swimming or hanging out. Damn. But you, I mean, I was just saying per year, cause I know knowing a little bit about you and your family. So you go, you go heli skiing every year. You're talking about a, a, a mountain bike destination trip. You're active every weekend doing something, whether in the winter or the summer and then some weeknights. Um, and then you still mix in like a family vacation when you can, when you go on like a family vacation to Cancun or even when you've come down here, do you feel like bored? Are you like, are you kind of itching for this, this other type of stuff or can, are you able to relax as well? I am able to relax. Alcohol, alcohol helps, but, um, <laughs> not too much. Um, I have that tattoo on my arm. Alcohol helps. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we do stuff there too, like I'll scuba dive or um, snorkel or whatever. Um, what else? I try surfing. I'm, you say you suck, so I'm I'm the worst because <laughs> you know I'm behind you on that. Um, but do things like and I don't know, like walk on the beach or whatever. And uh, it's kind of. Uh, but I do. I get up really early, and um, even on vacation, I work out. Like there's a gym in there, and like I'm not like heavy lifting or anything, but I'll go for a spin class or something. You, yeah. you have an itch like, to supervise <laughs> the weight room yeah. center. Wait a minute. Where's the chalk bucket? <laughs> yeah. You're, you're arching your back. Yeah. Are you the, are you just antsy? I mean, are you the guy like you take your family to Europe and you're doing like fucking parkour all across the streets and no, doing backflips no, no, and no. shit? And I'm not like, um, I know from your, the previous podcast, you're like in bed doing, arm thrust or whatever you were calling it. No, I'm not. Um, I do get antsy, but not like on vacation. I'm kind of chill. Like uh, maybe in, in my brain, I'm a little antsy and I'll do something. But I have um, thought about like we went to um, somewhere in Mexico that they had mountain biking nearby. And I was like, I should go do that. And I was like, well, that takes a day away from the family. So I didn't mm-hmm. do it. Wrestling inside your head. Yeah, but yeah. but it, it was calling you. I bet if somebody was like, "Yeah, Dad, go do it," you would have been like, "All right, fuck it." So is there any sort of dysfunctional behavior behind this, or any sort of struggle? Not dysfunctional behavior. I think any personal struggle. And one thing I'm thinking about is you're you're getting older now, and you're not able to like set the same goals with this type of stuff. You're probably not performing at the level you used to in terms of just like protecting yourself from injury or you know flying the highest jumps. 
So how are you dealing with that? Or is that even a concern for you? You just kind of naturally flow with it. Yeah, I think I'm naturally flowing with it. Like I'm coming to terms that I'm not going to, you know, be doing cooler tricks in the air or whatever else. And sometimes I don't even try them anymore. Like I'll go snowboarding with my son and we'll go in the park and I'm like, do I really want to even try this gap? Whereas, you know, 10 years ago, I'd try 360 over it or something, you know, now I'm just like, well, then I'm going to hurt myself and I can't mountain bike. Right. Everything is like really balanced with your thinking. And I, I hate it, Chris. I want to figure out where you're struggling and why you need to do all these extreme things to, to live a good life. What you got to do, Lance, is explain your problem and that'll allow me to know. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. yeah. Okay. Maybe there's some struggle with it. They like, yeah. um, like, dude, you retired or whatever, semi retired or whatever, like all this, this money, like maybe it'll take a few years off of my, um, having to work, you know, like instead of retiring the plan 65, like retiring at 60 would be a lot cooler, but I don't think I'd make it there without these trips or without uh-huh. doing these types of things. Yeah, no, that's wise. Point right there. Uh, the, the, yeah, Lance and I talked a little bit about that. Like, what are you sacrificing right it, now for the future? But, but, uh, well, I kind of, I think we should talk a little bit, Lance, cause it's, it's your topic. Sure. Like Lance, or Chris, right now, we know there's a demon in there, but it seems very balanced. He's, these trips are calculated. It's good for him and everything. But I have talked to a few people. I think maybe this is what you're talking about that are our age or older in their 50s, and they're doing the craziest shit. We are like, you're not even a mountain. Like I, I have two people I've talked to. One dude, I mentioned it earlier, is going on a horse racing trip in Mongolia, dude. It's like, and he's getting them <laughs> therapy to get ready for it it's like uh, what is he getting stem cell therapy yeah like for his joints and shit like that and it's like maybe you just need to go talk to your dad hammer out some issues or or whatever right (laughs) and then another dude's climbing mount kilimanjaro and i'm like you're not even a you don't even like the hike you know like you're not a mountainer it's like what are you doing and i think but that's a trend like people doing weird shit and the only thing in my case, I don't really have any of those adventure fantasies. Like, I'd love to surf and it'd be cool to go to, like, the Indonesia or something. But I'm not even good enough, so it doesn't matter. But I do, like, I have a fantasy of just hanging out in Italy for a long time, six months or a year or something like that. And and fully immersing myself in eating, actually, I should say. <laughs> that's my thing. Like, I, I would I would be totally cool with that. But I don't have this, like... I, I think there's a little, like, when you hear Chris talk about it, it doesn't sound like he's running away from something. He's running towards something fun. And I think right. I've I've heard therapists say it a little bit, like, are you doing that? Like, for example, me going surfing on Monday, and, and I'm just running away from my problems, or am I, do I just like it? And probably both. But right. that seems like what this show is grounded in. And unfortunately, our guest is too fucking grounded. And we can't get anything out of him. So you're going to have to be the psychopath, Lance. That's, no, well, I will. Okay. I will be. But what what I'm hearing, though, this is just a part of his DNA, for a lack of a better way to phrase it. He, this, he's been doing this kind of stuff. This is a part of who he is, part of his identity. He's going to continue to do this type of activity. So it's not the same as the, the dude that comes up. Yeah, I'm fucking training for an ultra marathon. How far is an ultra? Yeah, it's 100 miles. Okay. <laughs> what the fuck bud why do you need and and i you know i don't want to like bash people that are um because you know i did send you that book crisis 
of comfort. Right. It's great, where, by the way. Um, the whole premise is that we've just introduced too much comfort in our lives, which allows us to be pissy pants about everything that's happening. And instead, if we go have some adventures that require us to be a little tougher and and um, not not suffer, but that are hard, we get more happiness. And I think that you've incorporated that, incorporated that Chris, into your your life for a long time, and and you come back happier. And I think that's the good part. Um, that's a good point, though. Like the answer said, do you do you find that you get more out of it, like adrenaline? But the more uncomfortable it is, I guess it would be danger, Chris. Or is it that's not part of it? Like what's in what's in Whistler? I know for skiing it's the powder for snowboarding, but like the bike park is it the is it the most heinous fucking three hundred foot gaps and shit like that? Or is it you like the danger part of all that stuff? Yeah, I do. Um, Whistler, it has all that, but you know, like Soda's trestle, not as big, but, um, there's a level now, like, you know, the, probably the biggest jump I did at, um, trestle this past summer, you know, it took me four or five times to get up to it where, you know, um, to do it. Whereas, you know, 10 years ago, I would have done it the second I saw it. And I think that's, um, you know, part of not wanting to get hurt and being more calculated. So that, yes, if I went to, let's say Whistler and I just did all the green runs, it wouldn't be the same as going and, you know, actually doing the bigger gaps or black or red runs or whatever. So yes, definitely that plays a part. Have you ever cro- you crossed the line where you went, Oh, that was way too much. Yeah, dude. I've been shit dad. so many times. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, at, well, you know, I got thrown off the bike, um, and landed on a rock and like punctured the side of my, you know, hip and uh looks like i have two gunshot wounds and i was like internally bleeding for two days or whatever <laughs> but so yeah i don't want to do that anymore fuck yeah bro <laughs> yeah, fucking a. Yeah. Had 12 surgeries yeah God. i don't know i don't okay. like Lance, what's your what i am only like 20 percent in that book about about how boredom allows us to think and be put yourself in uncomfortable situations allows us to really yeah, like, yeah. get down to our roots what's your what's your take on that because i think you can misinterpret it pretty quickly like boredom it's like oh maybe i should watch netflix for 48 hours in a row that's that's my idea of boredom you know like yeah there's a lot in that book i i don't know um for me i don't know the fantasies i have are, are a little bit different like i have fantasies of Basically, I want to sell my car and I want to just have a bike. I want to actually sell this house and just be traveling fools for a while. And and not like I have this fantasy of having no material attachments. And that to me seems like an adventure. It seems hard. It seems like nobody else would, would do that. It's like the polar opposite of what most of us Americans are doing. We're just stocking our closets full of whatever. Um, that's my uh, weird fantasy. And obviously I like to do athletic things, but I'm not like, I don't need to go, you know, backpack alone in Alaska for, for a month. So it's uh it's more of like just moving away from society in, in an extreme way is what excites me for some reason. It sounds, it sounds somewhat dysfunctional. My wife's sort of like, what the fuck? Why do you, why do we need to sell our, sell our house? Is that the same thing that Chris is chasing? You think though, with the with with the heli trip, it's just in a different way. Is a different different ball game? It's it's hard to say. It's 
I like the idea of, of a, a lifestyle that's harder than like just to, to get back to the book that's just super comfortable and has all of the uh, normal amenities that I think are kind of making us miserable, the screen and all that. But for me, it just seems appealing. I could probably like get behind that in my brain and go, oh, that's something about you. You just, you, you having an attachment issue or can't handle uncertainty and things like that. You don't want anything in your life, like cluttering your mind. I don't know. Well, I like the combination of both your ideas. Like, I think that's where I'm at, actually. I, I'm, I would like to, if I'm going to make money or save money or put, invest it, I kind of like Chris's ideas. Like, that's why I want to use it, right? Is to like yeah. have these crazy experiences, whether it's mountain biking or going to Italy. I would much rather get off the grid like you want to do. And then anything, any financial success I have, I put it into like an experience, not a thing. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that men get like into any sort of weird other fantasy? Because you see, I don't know. Let's just take Caitlyn Jenner for example. Okay, Jesus. Here we go. <laughs> or, or you have Caitlyn Jenner, right? Made a huge life change at middle age. Or, or uh, the guy, the guy that gets caught with an intern, or all that shit. Some of some of this fantasy stuff. I mean, it sounds ridiculous making it fantasy. But you know what I mean? Like. This yeah, life-changing yeah. things where people go, ah, right. Wait, that fucking idiot, that fifty-year-old's with a twenty-two-year-old Hooters girl. Like, what? Right. What the fuck? Like, what is it about? It's all under the same thing. Under the same. Yeah. Not Caitlyn Jenner, maybe. That's a little bigger. That picture. was a joke. We'll just take that as a joke. Yeah. Nope. No. Not a joke. <laughs> no, it's I think. Yeah. I think to some extent, it feels like your last chance to do some of these things, and. And I mean, if you have a little bit of wisdom, you realize your body's not going to last. I, I doubt Chris, well, Chris might be, but many people aren't going to be doing hardcore stuff into their 60s. And so you feel like now may be the time. And if you hadn't done that in your life, you've, you've missed it. And so now it's time to do an ultra marathon or do tough mutter where you're like diving under things through mud and in camo and fucking going crazy. So I think that there's a pull there. I don't know, Chris, you think you're 49. How are you going to, what are you going to do when you're 60? I hope the same thing. Not as oh, to the level, but fantasy um, land motherfucker. Jesus why not? Christ. <laughs> Maybe we'll see. Like, um, you see the um, hardware behind them, Lance, by the way, listeners, Chris has two giant trophies behind him. I assume he won those <laughs> mountain biking, but yeah, those are well, motocross you, trophies. Motocross. I think I the right question, the right question is, you're 60 you're not you're probably not gonna be doing 90 foot gaps or anything will you still get the same out of it you know do you think i hope so that's a great question and um i really hope so because then you know if i'm not what's the point yeah yeah i don't know well i think you're gonna be limited at some point don't you like you might you might be buying walking sticks to like you know speed walk or something but as long as you're able to accept that along the way and all of us, I, I just think that men in particular in the middle part, it's like, oh, shit, fuck, I better I better go crazy because uh, this is my last chance because it isn't too long. I mean, statistically, if you look at like um, disability research, I think more than a third of people have some sort of disability or health crisis in their 50s. So you better heli ski now or heli board now you better try these things now 
is kind of how I think a lot of people feel. That's yeah, I agree. Stat, I mean, that's yeah. part of the, you know, like going through this whole dilemma of I should be doing this or saving for earlier retirement. But, you know, right. like you said, if I'm 60 and can't do it, what's who cares if I'm retired? Absolutely. Yeah. That's what we should do is just fucking go crazy and then work toward like 80. But then from 60 to 80, we don't care. We're just like, like, if you think of your parents, they're just happy to talk to people. It's like, <laughs> I could stick my dad in an office somewhere. He'd love to be there. He'd be like, oh, this is great. I'm just walking around saying hi to everyone. Like, should he should have fucking been with Chris and Revelstoke from when 35 to 55 and then, then go sit his ass down in an office. That's what we should do. If, if we can hold together mentally. But then you have, it's like you have to take a loan out to get, because you're, you're making your money later in life or something. Well, there's a great book I sent that to you too, Die With Zero, where they talk about in your early 20s, and economists feel this too, it's the most optimal time for you to just spend everything you have and experience the things you can with your body as healthy as it is. And I think there's something to that. And that's part of where my depression came in my job is like, I'm just sitting here going, what in the fuck are you doing? You're, are you living for the future, solely for the future here? And it's not like I wasn't doing fun things, but I definitely wasn't doing some of the wilder things I would have wanted to do. Um, now you have regret? But, well, I do regret this, this the, the mental state. I think there was more of a balance that could be, could be had. Uh, maybe more of like what Chris is doing, like one exciting trip a year would, would have been a cool way to break it up. Not saying that would have kept me in the workforce longer or anything, but. Well, I like the idea, Chris's idea, like it's very pragmatic actually. And it's like this, he's doing all this extreme crazy shit the way some people look at, it, but it's very pragmatic and organized. It's almost fits into like your, your thing, actually, your you're planning your life for, for how you're going to live. It's like, it's, it almost, it's almost the same idea knowing like I'm going to Revelstoke once a year and it's all, it's all part of the plan. Right. And in knowing that it's something that he won't be able to do in 60 years, like, and, or, or as extreme and let's say 15 years from now. So it's all right. If he uses that money now, because it's money that he doesn't need for that activity probably in 15 years anyways. Sure. What do you think about it that way, Chris? Or you, you just don't even? No, I do for sure. You, yeah. Um, there's some things like, um, you know, the biggest dilemma would be like um, saving for my daughter's marriage or something like that. But you know, I wouldn't be taking these trips if I couldn't do both. Right. Oh, her her marriage is top top on your list. F that. Not top, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Like, there's um, I don't know. I, Whatever shit about. comes, whatever shit comes yeah. with having having kids, sort of. Yeah, whatever yes. duties. Yeah, 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 yeah. But do, do you guys feel that, man? <laughs> I I keep pushing. I just keep. I figure it out. Everything. Their college, weddings, quinceañeros. I'm just like, ah, oh, I don't know where that's coming from, but I'll figure it out. Which is right. a horrible way to look at it. But <laughs> but I certainly don't have a fund for anything going right now. Do you think about though back to the to the body thing and I think because I think a lot of people think it's just gonna be there and that you're gonna retire at 65 and do all the things you want to do and most people and I, I mean I know I throw off these statistics like I know something but I swear to you I read a bunch of stuff about people as they hit these 60s 50s marks are mm -hmm. struggling physically so like if you want to go 
parasail, fucking go parasail now or whatever, kite, kite surf, whatever it is, because your elbows aren't going to hold up. Do you, do you guys think about that or you just assume, Matt, that you're going to be hooping 15 years from now? Well, I, I just what's weird is that is it's like already supposed to happen. Like even people are like, dude, you're you're still playing basketball. Are you crazy? Like, how do you? And so not that I think it's going to last forever, but I but I'm like, I think you can't get caught up in it. Yeah. Like if if I said I can't play basketball now because I'm too old and it's bad for me or Chris was like, I can't fucking downhill mountain bike. I'm 49. You would stop and then you would actually you would create your own reality. And then you then you'd get the itch to do it again. And then you'd be then you'd be really having a hard time and you probably will get injured, you know, if you don't keep it up. I just think that we have to we have to keep we have to keep it up, whatever you're into. You got to keep it up. I, I think it's interesting that for many people, there's something missing. Uh, I, I would imagine 100 years ago, folks worked and really focused on their life was centered around just getting the things they needed to survive. And, uh, and now we need all these extra things to feel fulfilled. We need these like secondary adventures. It's going to get worse. Like as far as people have are better, obviously we all value our free time, but people are just going to have more and more free time. Cause of AI. <laughs> when I'm unemployed, I can say like how many hours a day do a lot of people work actual work, you know? Oh right. Yeah, because I uh, no, just I mean I don't know, Chris. You, you're uh, you're probably Three, people maybe. You can there oh, you go. He's not holding back. Yeah, <laughs> you can get all your shit done and be a good employee in a couple hours most days, right? Yes, without a doubt. There's those peaks where you know, like certain things happen, like stand up a new server or patch weekend or something. Maybe you do five hours, but dude, there's no no one actually doing eight hours of work at least. That's eyes. so funny. Have you ever had a day where you actually did like eight hours of work and, and you thought you did a 16-hour day? <laughs> you can't even move. I'm like, oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> exactly. And then you're like, oh, no, I just worked from eight to five like a normal person. I just was busy all day. Like, I think I think a lot of people, I think that's the way it's going for a lot of people, especially at, like Lance, you said you get comfortable in your job. I think so. I think one of the things for employers when they when they try to implement all this wellness bullshit, like oh, we have a stretching hour and all this stuff people are trying to do. Yeah, yeah. If, if it really came down to like, okay, max out your efficiency when you need to for a few hours a day, and then if you get your shit done, do whatever you want. I think that would that would be sufficient to keep the economy mm-hmm. moving and people to feel like some sort of mental health and physical health i think people would be a lot happier when you're mountain biking if somebody needs you i'm sure i don't you know if you want if you really wanted to somebody could get a hold of you like with your phone and there's no place they can't get you so you can you can work from anywhere now so for sure i've done a meeting on the bottom of the you know trail then better keep that keep that uh under wraps dude i know on the down low if if uh Seniors 94 gets too big. I'm, I'm going to be out of a job. Yeah. And, and you're going to have to, you're going to have to sell weed to pay for Revelstoke next year. It's going to be good. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't, I think it's all good. I think you guys are doing the right thing. I just know what I enjoy. I don't know if I'm grounded or balanced or what, but I am. 
Now what keeps me going? Once we get off, Chris is like screaming, fuck, <laughs> headbutting his wall. Yeah. Fuck. Well, I would like to, to test it, Chris. I would like you to do nothing, nothing extreme athletic for like three months. Oh, see shit. If, no. See if you're mentally, mentally I, healthy. Just for yeah, the sake just, of the show. I'm dreading it. Just, um, <laughs> I got the trainer right there. Like, if I'm not doing a... Uh, Doing something, even when it's you know cold outside and the trails are snowy, I um, I lose it. It's good, good for you. Well, that's the healthy response. You could self medicate. Because I I we don't have anyone on this show, but I think for uh, there's a lot of middle aged men that start doing really dumb shit, like having what? affairs and and doing yeah, shit yeah. like that. Yeah, and that, that is all the same thing, man. I don't know. Actually, I don't know anybody doing that. There was a my a comic friend of mine had a joke about David Duchovny supposedly had a sex ag, uh, addiction, and the joke was like he has a sex addiction because he can, because because people want to sleep with him. It's like is that an addiction or is that just using using your your God given resources to your advantage? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think if I had a sex addiction, it would really matter. You know. Right. If you can't get tail. Can't get tail, baby. Then you can't. Yeah, then there's no addiction. It's just your guy who, who's in. Who's let's bring it back. You're just a guy who has fantasies. <laughs> and that is episode eighteen. <laughs> Seems hypocritical to me that people at my age age group, uh, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, criticize the youth of today for being really soft, really essentially bisexual wimps that really are, are sort of gender, gender neutral. Or, as some crazy conservatives might say, gay. Uh, and it's ironic because these are the same people when they were kids that made Wham's Wake Me Up Before You Go Go a number one hit worldwide. It's like, come on, dudes. Uh, I know you're probably, when you hear this, you go, no, no, I never got into that song. I was thinking about bow hunting and Rambo and sports. Yeah, right. You know every fucking word to that song. You could sing it backwards and forwards. Admit it. And uh, let's be honest. When you heard that beautiful baritone voice say Jitterbug, it moved a little bit. You were probably pitching this tent and you didn't know why. Uh, and you're probably sitting there thinking about if you had to do it, if you're on an island with one man and George Michaels was there, goddamn, that is a good looking dude. If he was the one to flip you, so be it. Uh, I know some of you are going, no, no, I never got into pop music. I was listening to the rock of the 80s. That's right. Dudes that wore a shitload of makeup and wore a ton of hairspray. Very masculine. Let's lay off the young people. We've all had our issues in the past. And for those of you that are gonna gonna uh, go, Matt, how can you say this and throw dirty words at me and be upset that I'm selling out our generation or gonna say that I am one of them, uh, I'll leave you with this. Do you really wanna hurt me? Do you really wanna make me cry? Seniors 94 is written and produced by Cocknose and Lance. Sketch comedy and editing by Lance. 
stand-up comedy and stories by Cocknose, a.k.a. Matt. Supporting music for this episode, S. Zigvari, Bunny Ghost, Dan J. Films, and Staff Beats. Thank you for listening. Yeah.